Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Bowen, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, we've got two things from sort of different genres than we would normally talk about this week. John, we have a stand-up comedy special from Mark Maron, and we have a new reality show called Serving the Hamptons. Awesome. Well, let's jump into Mark Maron's From Bleak to Dark. I don't want to be negative, but I don't think anything's ever going to get better ever again. You think you're a better man than me because you have human kids? I have three cats that I love, and in the best case scenario, I'm going to have to have them all killed. I'm going to have to kill my friends. And I knew it going in. That's how big my heart is. Comedian and podcaster Mark Maron takes the stage for his new HBO stand-up special From Bleak to Dark. Exploring age, faith, and family, Maron also discusses the loss of his partner, filmmaker Lynn Shelton, in 2020. Ali, on the surface, this is a pretty, like, standard stand-up special. It's filmed in New York City's Town Hall, very charismatic Mark Maron doing his thing. But I think what the headlines are referencing in relation to this special is the fact that he does talk about the passing of his partner, who tragically died in 2020. He sort of does it through comedy. It's not like it's the title of the show is From Bleak to Dark, but he really does actually bring quite a bit of humour to the very dark discussion of his partner's passing. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of hits you not in the guts initially because he's kind of talking about dating at a later age in New York City and the city and the grind and all the rest of it, and it is weaved in is cleverly. But it's gosh, this still had me laughing out loud a couple of times despite the the subject matter. And he's just a very good comedian. I think what is worth noting is for people like me, Mark Maron's a pretty big name, but it doesn't necessarily mean everyone has heard of him. So if you're not familiar with with Mark Maron and you're maybe just seeing the key art and maybe think it's another stand-up, Mark Maron has been around for a very long time. He's, uh, you know, we are on a podcast and he's sort of an OG podcaster. He's done over 1,200 episodes of his um, interview podcast, WTF. Um, it's been around since 2009. Some of the episodes of his podcast have now been like preserved in the Library of Congress. He was really a trailblazer, especially in podcasting, but also just in comedy in general. There were moments of this that reminded me of the George Carlin special that we have, which was actually a documentary sort of retrospective on him. I got like glimpses of George Carlin, especially in sort of his like anger and his cynicism about life. But I think Mark Maron's a bit more approachable <laughs> than George Carlin was. By the end, George Carlin seemed seemed very dark. And even though this is quite a dark topic, Mark Maron still sort of gets through with it with humour. And even though, you know, I think he starts the special by saying, like, there's no hope in the world, you kind of still see glimmers of hope through the special. A bit more of like an everyman as well. Like his humour, you know, it cuts through and hits the kind of average person on the street, I feel like, a little bit. Yeah, it's much more relatable. It's about his partner. It's about his father. It's about not having kids, which, you know, obviously very relatable thing for people who don't have kids. But then also, yeah, as we said, the sort of headline of this is 
grief and passing of his partner, Lynn, Lynn Shelton, who's a sort of acclaimed filmmaker, if I didn't already mention. But stand-up has been a really big part of HBO from the very beginning. HBO, if you don't know, stands for Home Box Office. <laughs> and the premise of the channel when it launched was that you would watch something that you would traditionally go and buy a ticket for and see in the real world. So that included plays and concerts and boxing and comedy specials were one of the things that really cut through. And I think, again, to mention George Carlin, because they were on cable, they got to do saucier things and say words you couldn't say on normal television. So HBO for a really long time, and you know, still to today, has been known for its stand-up specials. And Binge, Binge has a bunch of them, Ali, and we've talked about some of them in the past. Some recent ones that I've already talked about being amazing, but I will repeat because they are amazing, uh, was Rathaniel, the Gerard Carmichael special from last year, which was really okay. a, like a stripped back comedy special where throughout the process of it, Gerard came out, which was kind of very powerful and funny and touching. And another special that has really stuck with me and I've now watched multiple times, which is quite rare for me in stand-up, is the Drew Michael special, which I think we talked about on an early podcast. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of stand-up specials. The right ones really can stick with you. And something a little bit different, Ali, Binge's first original comedy special came out recently and was a stand-up special with our old mate Jimmy Reese. So That is so true. Yeah. That is true. So following in the tradition. We're following in the mighty footsteps of uh, HBO. But yeah, we've got a whole stand-up comedy collection on Binge. Mark Maron's from Bleak to Dark is just the latest edition. Yeah, there's dozens and dozens and dozens across decades for you to explore. So check it out. So come in. You can I think if you search HBO comedy as well, it will come up. Um, otherwise, you'll have a carousel of it. But use this as a way to, yeah, go exploring and have a laugh. Yeah. So Mark Maron's from Bleak to Dark is streaming for you right now on Binge. Let me get serious. I know a lot of you know that during COVID, my girlfriend passed away. She did. Passed away, and it was the, the most horrible thing that's ever happened to me, and I'm sure to her. The truth is, like, I'm a guy who talks about his life. So I, I, I wasn't clear how that was going to go. How am I going to talk about that? But then I thought, well, maybe how about a TED Talk? I just have to change my posture a little bit. Everyone dies. <laughs> Below Deck meets Vanderpump Rules in the new Discovery reality series Serving the Hamptons. Following the young and conventionally attractive staff of the bustling 75 Main restaurant, it's a recipe for drama as their lives collide with the wealthy clientele and demanding owner. The Hamptons is one of the most prestigious communities in the country. A local girl like me can make a lot of money waiting tables for billionaires. I think everybody wants the same thing. Have a fun summer in the Hamptons and make money. Zach, the owner of 75 Main, puts us up in this over-the-top house to live rent-free to work exclusively at his restaurant. As long as we follow his rules. We've seen this story before, but it is one as old as time and one that we know our audiences love because we're into, you know, season 14, 15, 16 of, of a number of shows that are sort of similar to this, but this is sort of a new spin on it. It is. It's, um, I like your point about Vanderpump Rules, which of course is... The restaurant family, the Vanderpumps, who have a range of restaurants in LA and Beverly Hills and I think Vegas now, but this is taking us to the Hamptons and all the crew that are working in the restaurants are living together in a house as well in the summer because they kind of come away to, to work during the peak season, a bit like people probably go to ski fields and things like that. But you've got the dynamic of young people working together, living together um, but also in kind of a glamorous place and quite an eccentric, you could say, owner of the restaurant. I did think the owner was like quite a interesting addition to this because, you know, we've seen Lisa Vanderpump. She's a fascinating woman in her own right, but she's almost what you would expect 
to be the like dame of a restaurant. Whereas this guy who has obviously created this like Hamptons little empire for himself with uh, his restaurants and his nightclubs and things is this like Turkish immigrant who's just decided he wanted to be rich. So went to where rich people live and now is, is rich himself and is hanging out with Ivana Trump and people. But yeah, he's clearly very demanding of his staff as well, which is, brings an interesting dynamic to these people who kind of just want to like hang out and have fun. And he has a couple of restaurants. One looks like in the main street and kind of one closer to the beach. So they get posted and get, you know, sent on shifts in the, across a couple of locations. But really it's about what happens to them when they're not just on the floor and working. So not so much of the kitchen view, but, you know, a bit like in Below Deck if people have watched that where you've got a chef and a maitre d' and, you know, kind of a chief stew, same kind of idea. Someone's making the food. They're all living and dying by their tips. So they need to pull together as a team. But then, of course, when they start living and playing together, things get kind of complicated pretty quickly. So, yeah, I think if, if you like Below Deck, if you like Vanderpump Rules, if you like reality TV, shows like Summer House, you know, where people that work together play together, um, this is certainly a new one to check out. I think I've said this in the past. I've watched a lot more Below Deck in the last <laughs> few years having worked at Binge than I would have otherwise watched. So it's one of the many benefits of working with Binge. I got introduced to a show I wouldn't have probably checked out otherwise. I think you're not alone in, in getting on board with Below Deck. I feel like during COVID when no one could go anywhere, Below Deck really caught on fire and has found a broader audience. But it, there's something about having a bit of a sticky beak into the lives of the rich because even though the crew here aren't themselves wealthy you are as you said there are kind of famous people being served and you see the kind of clientele that are going to these restaurants and you do you know we hear about a lot of things and places in america through tv and movies and it is you do actually get quite an up close view of the hamptons as well and what it's like i think they talk about how people like pay to have a reservation the whole season even if they're not using it and people are like can't i take that table and it's like it's already booked and it's like i guess if you're a billionaire what's like 10 grand to keep your table at your favorite restaurant permanently booked sort of thing. But yeah, it's fascinating. I, have you been to the Hamptons, Hallie? I haven't. Uh, no, I haven't been to the Hamptons. Do we have, I don't know if we go. have like a version. Do we have a version in Australia? Like Byron maybe? maybe? You kind of do in each state, do you? Like I'm sure in Perth they go to Rottnest in Queensland, they probably go down to Noosa, probably a bit of Byron or maybe the fancy part of the South Coast. In Melbourne, you might go down to like Portsea or the Mornington Peninsula. I don't know. But if you could have a table permanently booked anywhere, John Bowen, where would it be? Besides my local McDonald's? <laughs> Nando's, yeah, yeah, something over the road. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my level of cooking. I'm, 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 well, I'm, I when I go to the Hamptons, I'll be eating some fast food on the street somewhere. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it'll still be very expensive. I know, but you can't, you know, if you go on a holiday and you stay in a hotel, like for the same place for five or seven nights or something, sometimes even by the end of a short period of time, I'm like, yeah, I'm sick of this menu. It doesn't matter how many things are on the menu. Like you do get a little bit, you know, like if you're ordering room, room service in a hotel or something, like you're like, yeah, there's only so many times I can eat the burger. I don't know if I'd want to go to the same restaurant every day for my whole summer holidays because people kind of decamp to the Hamptons for, for months, months yeah. or I think, or like the fancy pants people go on. Friday afternoons, they call them summer Fridays in, in, in New York and they escape the heat and kind of head out on Friday afternoons. So, yeah, it, you'd be eating a lot of the same kind of clams and, you know, seaside lobster or something. Who Hanging knows? out but, with the Kennedys. Yeah. Th these are problems <laughs> we don't have. So We'll never have yes. and we'll never have. But, hey, we can still enjoy watching on. And really we've been talking about food, but this is really about the sex and the fun that gets up when they're off their shifts and how that kind of spills over onto the 
serving floor. Yeah. So, um, and unsurprisingly, yeah. one of the waiters is like a model DJ because they always have to be a model DJ in one of these shows. So, if that hasn't told you, like, I don't know what will. Anyway, <laughs> Serving the Hamptons uh, is streaming for you right now on binge. So, jump in. Unapologetic, guilty pleasure. No judgment here. It's going to be rule breaking all summer. I can already see it going on right now. I'm not your friend, I'm your boss. Shut up! I hate it. It's garbage. Honestly, Zach scares me. I mean, if you were a good employee, this should never happen. Who has hooked up in the house? Ethan just can't keep his away from anything. Like, do I look like a three-way person? Shut the up, you dumb blonde. You're gonna make me cry. I don't want to cry. I would... Drama. 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 Like, I'd love for you to tell me why you texted my roommate at 3 a.m. asking her to last night. Try monogamy sometime. Maybe you'll like it. Okay, well, speaking of food, Ali... Sitting around a table, eating oh, some yeah, Nando's with your friends <laughs> <laughs> on a Friday night. Pass me the dipping sauce, yeah. please, John. This podcast is not sponsored by Nando's. No, 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 it's not. Okay, so dinner party recommendations, the kind of shows when we're catching up with friends and talking about what to watch when there is a plethora of choice. How do we cut through and tell you the good stuff on Binge? Um, I got to talking to a friend over the weekend about True Detective because there was an announcement just over the weekend or just before the weekend Um, or the release of the first kind of snippet of True Detective Season 4, which is coming uh, later this year. And I think it's probably worthwhile shouting out True Detective if you haven't watched True Detective. True Detective is a show that has a banner called True Detective, but each season is like a standalone story. And the, the guiding kind of principle that connects them together is the kind of great detective work that's happening in the town that the crime is unfolding. So you don't see a recurring cop or detective coming across the three seasons they're each kind of standalone stories true detective first came out in 2014 with you know an acclaimed first season starring woody harrison and matthew mcconaughey as the two detectives that were investigating quite a gruesome and brutal crime it's kind of crime drama at its best it set the standard for the current wave of of dramas i would say in this genre and it consistently punches through and and this next season that we're expecting later in the year season four has jodie foster returning to the small screen as the lead detective so i'm really excited for true detective john and i think if you're looking for a show i think they're normally like eight episodes a season or eight or ten you've kind of got three quite separate stories that you could dig in with the three seasons that exist um and a very different range of of characters and leads it brings something different to every season but they always kind of bring really quality actors and it was probably the beginning of the shows that could you say that brought big movie stars onto the small screen like when Matthew McConaughey and yeah, it was a big, um, Woody Harrison big did this. deal. So I remember thinking that was a really big deal, wasn't it? Yeah. And now we see it a lot, but it was kind of new. There's probably like a dotted line between True Detective and White Lotus as well, because I remember after season one of True Detective, when they were announcing they were doing season two, but that they were going to do it with all different cast, like Twitter blew up with like people sort of imaginary casting season two of True Detective. And I feel like we now see that with White Lotus, like people are saying who like who and where they want the White Lotus to be. And yeah, I feel like there's like a, maybe a slight relation between those two. Do you think with True Detective, it's because it really goes into the perspective of the cops that are investigating this and the types of crimes that they're investigating really causes them to assess their own mortality and their own morals in some ways because you know they're heavy crimes and and, and and it really poses a question about the society that they're living in and, and who they're investigating and deep personal reflection and their drive to solve something like it, that's probably why they were able to bring in the first true detective such great talent to the screen 
to tell the story because it was a very compelling narrative and, and opportunity for an actor to to really give a great performance. Yeah, and also probably for better or worse, why there's been maybe such a big gap between three and four because, you know, they're wanting to get at the right people and um, do it the right way and you kind of have that luxury, I guess, with anthologies. Yeah, but you've had like Rachel McAdams and Vince Vaughn and like there's been some really, yeah. I mean, I could keep going, but there's, yeah, there's been such many um, different takes on it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how Jodie Foster does it later in the year and before then catch up on the first three. Yeah, and it also looks like it's in a bit of a different setting as well, a sort of... Uh, icy icy setting for season four but um yeah yeah we're just we're just finding out about it now so yeah exciting why should i live in history huh Doc, i don't want to know anything anymore this is a world where nothing is solved when someone once told me time is a flat circle everything we've ever done or will do we're gonna do over and over and over again and that little boy and that little girl they're gonna be in their room again and again and again forever I'm going to recommend a collection of shows, which is just a chance for me to talk about a bunch uh, very quickly. It is World Pride in Sydney and Australia and around the world right now. And if you open up Binge, you will see our Binge with Pride collection. And I've probably spoken about most of these shows at some point over the last year, but they're always worth bringing up again. Speaking of The White Lotus, Looking, starring Murray Bartlett, is an excellent gay drama from maybe a decade ago now, but really stands up mm -hmm. and um, HBO... I think very kindly gave it a movie as well to wrap it up. So there's a full story there. We've spoken about Gentleman Jack, which is the excellent yes. BBC HBO co-pro, a period co-pro. Something brand new, which has definitely has queer themes, uh, is Velma, of course, which, which we've discussed, yes. the adult animation. It's only been a week, but I'm going to talk about, I'm going to mention Difficult People again, <laughs> um, two episodes <laughs> in a row, uh, which we got just in time. John's favourite show. We got just in time yeah. for World Pride, of course. Hundreds of others. There's documentaries, there's reality. There's We're Here, the great documentary series about the drag queens who kind of take over a town. There's amazing documentaries. Legendary, the ballroom Yeah, the ballroom reality show. So, yeah, we've got the whole gamut of stuff from, like, classic miniseries and films through to reality and comedy and animation. And, yeah, there's just a great collection and a ton for you to explore. We've been able to add even brand new stuff like The, the Last of Us because, you know, that's yeah. got some very interesting storylines running through it. So, yeah, please check John, out. John, have the... you put a carousel or something together? Yeah, yeah so. For people to find it easily? Open up Binge and the, like, second or third thing you'll see on your front page is Binge with Pride. Great way to gear up for Mardi Gras and World Pride, whether you're in Sydney or wherever you're watching Binge. So, yeah, I'm recommending a carousel of shows for you this week. <laughs> Awesome. Well, there you go, people. Hundreds of hours, therefore, to watch yes. these tips in a diverse week. Yeah. Cool. Well, this week we talked about Mark Maron's latest comedy special. We talked about Serving the Hamptons. Ali recommended that you revisit True Detective in preparation for season four, which is coming later this year to binge. And I suggested that you check out our Pratt collection. All of these are streaming for you right now on binge, um, which, of course, you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Baum, joined every week by Ali Herbert Byrne. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro. Skip Intro.